what is up? What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Way. I'm your host, Chase Coleman, and it is hot as shit out here in Seattle. It reached 100 and I think six degrees over the weekend, and it is still hot. It's hot. So prayers up. Got to send our prayers up for all the pets out there, all the people who are, are also struggling with the hot, with the heat. I'm fortunate enough to have some AC in my house, but I know that that is not something that is typical in Seattle. So sending my prayers out to everybody in the Pacific Northwest. Oregon got really, really, really freaking hot too. And I'm just hoping that we can combat this and it can get back down to the 80s, which is why we love living in the Pacific Northwest. But Today, we have an awesome guest. We're bringing back Melanie Stewart, a friend of mine, an amazing friend of mine, and she is going to give us an update on COVID, the COVID updates going on at Google, and she's also going to help us understand how the tech industry is, let's say, pivoting through uh, through COVID. And I think we'll be surprised to find out from Mel, COVID might have been a good thing for the tech industry. However, before we get Mel on here, let's get ready for today's business updates. Starting off with remote work is the new signing bonus. That's right. You heard it right. Remote work is the new signing bonus. Now, y'all, workers everywhere are looking for increased flexibility and opportunities to work from home permanently moving forward. That shouldn't come to a surprise for anybody. Work from home has allowed people to prioritize their work-life balance and also allowed employees to eliminate their morning and evening commutes, providing way more time for self-care. We have entered the time now of what we like to call the great resignation and more employees are quitting their jobs than at any time in the last 20 years. Now, employees are making it clear that their desire for the flexibility to work from home and recruiters are beginning to adjust by offering remote positions and increased flexibility rather than just financial compensation to attract brand new talent. I think this is so smart when it comes to attracting millennials. And next up, we have a huge win for Facebook. Now, if you guys are fans of the stock market, you'll notice that Facebook's stock rose tremendously this week because they finally hit the trillion dollar mark. Now, why did this happen? It's because the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, in over 40 states had filed two antitrust complaints against Facebook due to the company's acquisition of Instagram and WhatsApp. Now, the FTC complaint would have forced Facebook to divest in Instagram and WhatsApp. However, a federal judge tossed out both complaints just this Monday. As a result, the tech giant's market capitalization promptly surpassed $1 trillion for the first time signing a huge win for Facebook. I mean, a trillion dollars? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But enough about the business updates this week. Let's get our friend Mel on. Back, one of my best friends, someone who I absolutely adore and love so much. We have Melanie Stewart here with us today again, guys. Melanie, thank you so much for joining the Millennial Way. We're running it back for round three. I can't believe you just keep coming back. Thank you. <laughs> I can't either, but happy to be here. So thanks for the invite. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And before we get kind of acclimated running into talking about Google, the tech industry, the amazing things that you continue to accomplish, how are you doing? Where are you at right now? Are, I know that you live in Chicago, but it sounds like you're not in Chicago. Yeah, no, we're we're doing great. We're thriving. Uh, we're currently in Ohio, though. So throughout the work from home period, uh, Google gave flexibility uh, really until September 1st of this year to work okay. wherever. So we are in Cincinnati hanging out with uh, my wife's parents and family and saving some money and getting ready to go back to the city. So we're thinking in the next six months or so, we'll, we'll find a place and call it a day uh, back in the city. Awesome. But until then, enjoying it here. So did you guys cut your lease in Chicago 
and then or just yep. like stayed until your lease ended and then headed back over to the I guess the east side of of Chicago right headed over to Ohio yeah so we crunched some numbers and it was much more beneficial just to pay out our lease so we did mm-hmm. that and uh I think at the time we thought we were gonna you know buy a house and be in a position there but I mean, you know how the market's gone. So yeah, it's tight. unreal. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah. I mean, the housing market, and that's a whole other conversation, right? But like, yeah, different things through COVID yeah. have have gone crazy. I mean, the housing yeah. market, the car market. Like, I I was in a car accident a couple of weeks ago, and I, I, I'm fine. Second time my car's gotten hit this year, which kind of sucks. But I was looking at re, at selling it because I was like, wait, did my car valuation not go down at all? Even after, and I checked the Carfax, <laughs> car valuation hasn't decreased. And I'm like, this is freaking no. nuts. Like this pandemic has brought so much change, so many different things that like we never would see through our work life, through the economy, through our personal life, right? And that kind of leads me into my first question for you, Mel, which is working at, such a big corporate giant like Google. I mean, fantastic. First and foremost, I think every time I bring you on, there's always some some followers and subscribers who are always like, she has such a cool job. And I'm like, yeah, she, damn right she does. But knowing <laughs> that you guys are so techie, right? Like let's, let's say quote unquote techie. Tech industry has always been known for virtual meetings, known for flexible workplaces and being able to kind of meet the employee where they are. And my question for you, Mel, is coming in through 2020, you know, things, a lot of things changed corporately for a lot, for all of us. And now we're starting to get towards the end of the, I'm not going to call it the end of the pandemic because the pandemic's not ending, but things opening back up here in the U S and I'd love to hear from you kind of what your experience was like working through that. And I mean, last time we talked, we had, we were talking to you more on like a downside of the travel industry, mm-hmm. particularly using Google, and I'm sure things have started to ramp back up. So I would love if you could kind of just take us along that journey as you've moved through 2020 and 2021 at Google and what your experience has been like? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'll deal with it kind of in two parts. First, just my job in general, uh, day to day. And then secondly, kind of how we've worked with our clients. So um, out the gate, to your point, Google has always been a fan of the virtual meeting. In every, Mm -hmm. you know, meeting room, there was always a huge screen and a connection. And we worked across... I mean, international boundaries and countries like I had teammates in Dublin, et cetera, that we were collaborating with virtually anyway, pre-pandemic. So when we all went home on, you know, what was it, March 11th or 13th or something, Something um, it it wasn't a huge shift in terms of how we operated. And I think over time, we really started to figure that out. And a couple of big shifts that we had internally, uh, there was a reckoning, frankly, in terms of what meetings are important. So there's a lot of that. I'm sure you dealt with that too. Is this one-on-one necessary? And um, we pivoted and focused on how can we collaborate across teams, right? And how do we do that virtually? And I think it could have gone one of two ways, right? Information could have been very siloed, team by team, resource by resource. And I think that's where Google is important and special is we took the opposite approach. So Mm -hmm. work from home has democratized data and insights across not just travel, but all of Google. Um, so I feel much more plugged in to our company's initiatives and, and values than I did prior. But That's awesome. Re- real quickly, Mel, you, you said one thing that you guys had was the reckoning of, of meetings. And I think that's a really interesting way to put it because, you know, in, in my environment, we had the same thing go on at the beginning of COVID. People are like, I don't know if we need to have these many meetings. 
I don't. We right. don't need to meet to talk about an email, right? I, I was on TikTok yes. today talking about how most of our job is emails and meetings or meetings about emails at the end of the day. And after maybe like two to three months, I've realized that we got right back into that same, the same um, pattern of meetings. Mm -hmm. And it turned into no longer were we reconciling and saying, oh, this could just be an email. This could just be an email. Now we were going and reverting back to our normal tendencies, which were, well, let's just talk about this over a meeting or it'll only take 10 minutes. And then the whole meeting takes 30 minutes or it takes 45 <laughs> minutes. And it, it's been interesting because that was our culture. Our culture was always meeting heavy. It was always, let's collaborate. Let's be very cross-functional. And I think what we saw through COVID was a, at the beginning, it was like, holy shit, how am I going to, how am I going to pivot? How am I going to change? How am I going to work in this, in this new environment? And then it turned into a, we're just doing the same exact thing that we've been doing. We're just sitting behind a computer screen in our homes rather than sitting in a computer screen in the office. And that's where I, I love that you guys are continuing to take it. It was like, take the bull by the horns and really own it. Right. Because you guys were fans of the virtual meetings and it was something that you wanted that it seems like Google wanted to continue to kind of push and then COVID accelerated that. And for us, it, <laughs> I would say it helped increase the older generation's technical ability and then allowed us to say like, do we really need to be in the office all the time? And we ha we don't know what our office plan looks like or come back to office plan yet, but I just find that interesting where like, for you guys, it was like, let's let's tailor back our meetings and give ourselves more work time. And for, in our environment, it was like, no, we're gonna go back to meetings and you're gonna end up working you know, longer hours than you probably want to just because the fact that like, we need to meet and talk about stuff. <laughs> no one took it personally. And I think that was the big update is my productivity and value, right, as a salesperson at Google is, are we driving results and revenue for our clients? Mm -hmm. And uh, with that being said, it it doesn't matter if I'm meeting internally at all, frankly. Yeah. It's how, how many meetings am I having with external stakeholders? Am I prepared for those meetings? And do I have the resources that I need to mm -hmm. go into that either room or meet link or what have you um, prepared and ready? So no one took it personally when we cut internal fluff and Frankly, we've gotten pretty inventive. So I don't know about you, but I have a handful of walking one-on-ones every day. Mm -hmm. um, get outside, just hop on the phone, talk through whatever you need to talk through. And a lot of that has, has gotten us up and around um, and not so you know chained to our computer when we're not talking to clients. So that's been really I like nice. That. I like that. Was that. Is that something that Google has kind of pushed or is that something that you personally wanted to do? Because when we were going through COVID at the beginning, me and a couple of neighbors and friends were just going on walks to just get the hell out of the house, you know? And I would love to turn my some of my one-on-ones into walking meetings, but it just doesn't seem, it's it's gotta be the right person, in, in my opinion, mm -hmm. at least like who understands like, hey, like we don't need to work from nine to five. We need to get our work done. We need to get the job done at hand. But like, work is not clocking in, clocking out. It's just that the job is not done until it's finished. Even if that mm -hmm. means that I'm walking the dog, which I don't have, or going for a walk or, you know, go even going to the gym or something of that sort. But was that something that kind of you implemented or was that like the company saying, hey, why don't you guys start doing some of these over, over walking meetings or even just like your team? I think it was a natural progression of our culture in office. Um, I think everyone is, is pretty aware that the Google office has a lot of random fun stuff like ping pong mm -hmm. tables or huge staircases. Um, and a lot of that collaboration was during your quote off time or transit time. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it was a way that we were able to tap into that collaborative kind of flexible creative space without being so rigid uh, about it. And, 
when I look back, it wasn't a top-down priority, but many, many teams internally are, are thinking about how they can take flexible meetings uh, or be creative in that. That's awesome. I think that's so cool. Like, it's just, like I said at the beginning, meeting the employees where they are. Right. And I think that that's something that a lot of millennials, a lot of Gen Zers are kind of looking for is I want to go work for a company that's where I can, you know, it's, it's got to be lucrative one, which I think working in any fortune 500 company is lucrative. And then the second part, it's like, I want to be able to balance my life. Right. I think we talk mm -hmm. a lot about work life balance. And the truth is there's a blur in between the two, right? Like it's not just mm -hmm. work. It's not just life. And for me, I kind of figured that out through COVID and then realized I can balance certain things throughout my life where instead of getting up and making a, a extravagant lunch for myself, I could throw in some laundry, I can, you know, shave if I need to, or do something else that helps bring me a little bit more joy. And then I could work until six or seven because got my laundry knocked out, got my shave, you know what I'm saying? And it, it just mm -hmm. makes it, it integrates your life into work a little bit more. And it sounds like at Google that that's something that, and not even if, even if it's top down, but it just sounds like you're empowered to do things of that sort where it's like, let's take care of ourselves. Let's take care of our mentals. And yeah. I mean, to your point, like, you know, you talk to guys, women, whatever, some people have their best thinking, whether it's on the toilet, whether it's in the shower, whether it's out for walks. And I mean, I'm sure you have some pretty crazy, not crazy, but really innovative ideas that come out while you're just out on a walk and you're like, wait, holy shit. Like we could, we could do this. Totally. And that's very intrinsic to the culture at Google. And um, that, you know, if you look back at why they have, you know, lunch, free lunch on site, it's because a lot of our, a handful of our products were created and ideated at those tables when engineers were sitting, working on separate products, eating together, sharing a meal in a casual culture. So yeah. I think, you know, you wanted to talk a little bit about return to office and what the mm -hmm. vibe is on that. Um, you know, personally, I'm pretty stoked to get back both visiting clients. I think that's a huge thing that we've missed. Oh, yeah. Um, as, as well as being present in the office and being able to collaborate with our partner teams, as well as share that casual collaborative space. So we're going back, headed back uh, in a hybrid environment. So we're going to do three and two um, mm -hmm. days in office, which is very flexible to client travel and your role. Uh, so don't quote me on any of that. But yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be a good balance of what I've missed, right? And that in-person mm -hmm. interaction, um, give that opportunity for collaboration in person and some of those organic uh, times for ideation, but also give a lot of flexibility and space for us to own our life and our lifestyle. So I'm pretty stoked about it. I like that. Now, let me ask you a question. If they would have said you have to go back five days, would you have been as stoked to go back? I wasn't in the office five days before COVID. So, you know, we're, and mostly because we travel for clients. So, you know, I was in, you know, here or there traveling to go to events or dinners or what have you meetings. Um, so the time in office, even pre COVID was used as a collaborative space. And that time was precious because it was very few and far between days that we were all there together. So I think if anything, yeah. this is going to get us all in the same room more often. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I agree. And that's, you know, if I had to take a guess, which I'm going to be guessing until we roll out our, our communication plan to, you know, tell everybody when they're coming back, we're probably going to be back in a hybrid. And I would guess that majority offices are going to be back in a hybrid, right? I saw that Amazon is now having all of their employees come back into the office 100% of the time. But as I talked to my friends who are at Amazon, they're like, it really depends on the director, right? You right. could be hybrid, <laughs> you could be, you could be fully remote. And that's the 
the thing that I think a lot of people miss in these big corporate press releases is that not every everything is as easy as like the blanket statement of like, oh, right. we're having everybody come back, right? And I just think it's interesting because as I talk to my own friends, as I think about myself, like if my if my boss came out and said, hey, we got to be back in the office five days a week, like they would have to have some really strong data points to prove to me why we need to be back in the office five days a week, right? And it's because of the last year and five months or year and what is it, June, July, year and three months, <laughs> damn it, I can't do math. I work in math and I can't do math. Um, it's crazy that we've, we've kind of learned to pivot into this new environment and then it would, to me, it would be extreme going from like, okay, the extreme pivot into all work from home back into another extreme pivot. Like that's a three year right. journey for people that I don't necessarily think that we're all ready for as a, as a society, as a culture. And I know for me personally, I've always loved working in an office, working from home always felt more of like a chore because there's so many distractions. And mm -hmm. then once I figured out how to work from home, now they're like, okay, guys, now it's time to come back and get ready to work back in the office. And it's like, but wait, I was just figuring this out, right? I'm like, good I now. Just yeah. it <laughs> so it's, it's interesting, but I don't know. I, I find, I find it unique that there are like certain people like yourself and like myself that are excited to go back into the office. And then there are certain people that are like, hell no, like whether it's for safety, whether it's because they figured out a certain balance in their life and they like that mm -hmm. balance, it'll be really interesting to see what the pushback comes comes from employees as people start getting back into offices and then again there's always that safety aspect where for me i respect other people's opinions i don't care if you believe you want to wear a mask don't believe you need to wear a mask like i'm going to do my thing you do your thing but it'll just be really interesting to see how that all plays out because i'm really really intrigued and i think as a society we've we've seen a lot of divisiveness recently oh yeah yeah, I'm I'm very glad I, I don't work in HR. I don't want any part oh <laughs> of mediating that conversation because I, I absolutely agree with you. Okay, I love it. I love it. And I couldn't, no, yeah, HR, that's like hell on wheels right now having to deal with all this stuff. <laughs> but let's, let's pivot a little bit. So talking about college students who have also gone through a crazy, I mean, if you and I were, were seniors during COVID, like... I don't know what we would have done at Stetson University. Like it would have been hell on wheels. And yeah. as I think about them, as I think about young professionals graduating who just graduated a month ago or who are gearing up to get ready to think about those next steps, say I'm a, I'm a college graduate and I'm calling Mel and I'm like, hey, I just want to break into the tech industry, but like what do I need to do or what, what steps should I take to start even getting into the tech industry, right? And let's let's say that I've already had a couple internships, one of them being in tech, one of them being maybe in like finance. And I came mm -hmm. to you and just asked you for some advice on like, what would I, what should I do? Or what are the steps that I should take in order to obtain this job or obtain getting into a company such as Google? Love to hear from you kind of what your maybe top tips would be. Um, and just kind of like what advice you would give to anybody. I mean, you've given me advice as I've been applying for jobs too, right? So like, would love to just kind of circle back on that. Yeah, I think you could probably go a hundred different ways with that, depending on what your the function or what role you're looking. Let's say for, it's right? a let's say it's a sales role. Yeah, I was just gonna say anything technical that's tough. <laughs> I yeah. point, I'll connect you with someone that knows that world. I do not. Um, but if you're thinking, sales, and I feel like engineers know what they know the path to do that, right? That's a pretty linear path. Yes, go do that. That's your answer. Um, but you know, if you're thinking tech sales or that type of environment, um, I think there's a couple. A couple of things that if I was in your shoes, what I would do. Um, one would just be pretty simple. Think about your story and how you can tell that. 
maybe it's your personal brand, right? As you become more into the corporate world, you'll hear that term. But the, living through this period of COVID, uh, especially as a new grad, I think gives you a unique lens on resilience and will allow you to walk into interviews, tech or not, mm-hmm. with a much more unique per se, or I don't know, a more valuable story. And if you're able to frame that as resilience or you know X, Y, and Z, this is how I took advantage of the time, or this is a huge obstacle that you overcame, really hone in on that. That's my first piece. But maybe more tactically, throughout this period, online education and certification information has been truly open to the masses. So Google has had a really couple cool initiatives putting out certification programs that you can get in the next year, year and a half to hone in on some skills, uh, technical or otherwise, maybe you didn't get. I have a liberal arts degree. That would have been awesome, right, as a resume builder. Mm-hmm. I work specifically in ads and ad sales on the Google platform. I think that learning or becoming certified in things like Google Cloud or AWS or Azure, uh, even Facebook sales or you know ads, et cetera, those are all huge things to do, as well as the Google Ads certifications and Google Analytics certifications. They're all online. You can do them in some as few as a couple of days, some, you know, a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Most are free. Get after that, right? So figure out what field you want to get into and then think through what technical skills would be awesome to, to kind of build off of. The last thing I'll say is I discovered an app called Fishbowl. Have you ever used that? Hold up. Fishbowl. Yeah, like have you ever used it? Bowl. I have never used it. Yeah, check it out. It's pretty cool. I don't know if it's tech heavy. I'm gonna double check that I said that right now that you know we're live here. <laughs> um, yeah, Fishbowl. It's an app. It's teal with a little purple fish. Okay. And it connects people right in and outside of companies and tech that want an in or want advice or want help. And so it's anonymized or open, depending on what you want to do as a contributor. So I could say, you know, Melanie Stewart at Google and my role, I could say someone at Google and just keep it there. And you basically join these communities or bowls and get insight on the role, on the job, work-life balance, uh, things like pay, right? That's really Mm -hmm. important, especially, you know, to equalize the gender pay gap, et cetera. Like you can come into interviews now prepared with yeah. that specific company. And it's been really sweet just in the industry to hear. So those are my three things. Well, that's awesome. I mean, first and foremost, personal brand is the thing nowadays, right? Like like you said, the deeper you get into corporate America, the more of a buzzword it gets. And I feel like with millennials starting to, actually, we, we now are the largest group in the workforce, which is exciting. Wow. But with that, we are the ones who grew up with social media. We're the ones who grew up with a brand, right? There are people online who have blogs on their Instagram handles, and that is their only Instagram handle that they have, right? That is their personal brand. And when you're able to tell that story, that journey that you are on and why, I was talking to somebody about this this morning, it's not why that job is perfect for you, but it's why this company is is the perfect fit for you, plus the job fits into your career path that you want to be on, right? Right. Engineers have a very linear path. You can go be a I'm just going to make this up, junior engineer, then an engineer, then a senior engineer, then you become a manager, right? And you just continue to move up the chain that way. When it comes to sales, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to other other departments that work more cross-functionally, right, with other departments, it really truly becomes around your story. And that's how I personally have been able to move around different departments because I'm like, this fits into the journey. This is not just a one and a half to two year thing. This is a chase becoming the next, you know, 
VP, director, whatever it may be at X company. And when you're able to kind of tell that along with, like you were saying, Mel, point number three, go take those certifications, go Mm -hmm. get those skills, go do something outside of work that's going to help make you better and make you more prepared for that job. That fits into your story too, right? Say I was going to apply for account manager at Google. And they're like, well, Chase, like, what did you do to prepare for this? You've worked in, you know, consumer product goods your entire life. You've never worked in tech. You've never done an ad sales job. And I tell them, Hey, I know the analytics on the back end because of the jobs that I've had. However, I want to get into tech ad sales because, you know, X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C reason. And I also took the steps to learn and take the Google certification. And now I'm certified in video ads and display ads and, you know, text ads and, and all the different ads that you have. And then all of a sudden it makes that the person who's interviewing you go, holy shit, if they're doing this for an interview, what are they going to do when we start paying them? Right. Mm-hmm. And like, from my perspective, it makes it where you are no longer applying for that job, but they're applying to try to get you into the company. And when you mm-hmm. have people who are trying to pull you in, when you have VPs, directors, associates, managers, anybody within a company pulling you in, it's always a lot easier than trying to break down that door and and try to just knock it down and then get in there, right? And that's where I love your tips because it's all about personal branding. It's all about the skill set. And then the third part, I think Fishbowl is dope. I've never been on it, but it makes me feel like it's it's like Reddit, but for business, right? It's almost totally, like- Totally, It's a better version of LinkedIn. LinkedIn has gotten mm-hmm. so saturated with Facebook bullshit recently that it's like, we, we don't like, I don't go on LinkedIn for job stuff anymore. There's no reason to. But if you're able to go and actually understand from somebody, hey, what is this job like? How often do you work? How often yep. do you not work? What's the pay like? And then that allows those people, AKA young professionals, students, any professional to understand is the pay worth the amount of time mm-hmm. is making 500 K worth working, you know, I don't know, 80 hours a week. Some, t- some people will say yes. Some people will say no, but it allows you to make that decision based off of what you're reading and how you're, how you're um, talking to people. Does it have a like DM feature where you're able to like message people on its own? Yep. So now I feel like I need to be sponsored by fishbowl, but you do need to be sponsored. <laughs> once you're in, So I have a google.com email, right? You can verify your email and have access to sites or company specific info and boards, which is kind of cool. But apart from that, there are external groups and industry groups, uh, DM features, networking features. It's, It's pretty sweet. And yeah, to your point, much more accessible than LinkedIn, much less, I don't know, I want to say locked up or like uh, polished or curated, right? Because there Mm -hmm. is the anonymous feature. So I don't know. I would definitely recommend it. Um, but I'm check one it other, you should, answer. I'll send you a link. One other thing I wanted to mention too, and maybe something I undervalued uh, up until the last year or so, maybe it's a function of working in travel uh, during COVID, but having deep industry insights, whatever industry you work mm. in is really, really critical to at least my success and feel like my future success. People and companies, you know, they need people who are going to come in and know at least the basics about the industry. So Mm -hmm. I kind of took, I always overvalued grit and drive, right? And I was like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to work really hard and do a great job over industry experience. Because I figured I could kind of adapt to that. I didn't want to be tied down to an industry. Mm -hmm. But over the last year and a half, two years, going really deep into travel has taught me so much. So I would say if you know you're a new grad or you're looking to go into a specific industry, start, you know, as 
early as you can and get really invested in that. And if you don't know, and it's just tech, then fine, get super into the weeds, right? Read TechCrunch, like, mm-hmm. figure out your subscriptions, like get all that worked out because um, that's really invaluable insight as well. No, I like that. And there's there's something to be said about people who are knowledgeable, right? I, I don't know how it is in your office, but if I had to take a guess, people go to those who are knowledgeable before they know, go to those who are the grit and grind people, right? Because yeah, if true. I go to the people who are knowledgeable, they're going to be able to get me an answer within a matter of a couple seconds, a couple minutes, or very, very quickly. I go to the grit and grind people. I know that you're going to work your ass off and I want you on my team but I'm not going to ask you all the questions because you're not going to be able to help me in in real time. You're going to be able to help me short term and maybe long term. And when you switch your mindset to being that knowledgeable person, now you're not only known as the grit and grind person, right? Because you've already kind of set that baseline, but you're also known as the subject matter expert on travel or on ads or SEO or whatever it may be. And people are always going to go to you for that. Even if somebody else comes in and might know a little bit more, they're still going to go to you because they have a personal relationship with Mel. But when you say industry insights, could you give me like a definition or like what it is that you're looking for when it comes to industry insights? Is it seeing how the travel industry is doing from a, you know, holistic standpoint? Is it looking at the stock market? Is it knowing kind of what's the new latest and greatest news on, on the industry? Like, what is it exactly that, like that you mean when you say industry insights? Yeah, I think it's, it's a couple of things I'll use. Um, I'll use travel example, but maybe tech more broadly, knowing what makes the industry tick, right? So in travel, it's all about the user experience. It's the customer, it's their, how was their time at that resort or renting that car? Uh And that translates into the C-suite of their companies. So at everything they're doing, think if you're thinking marketing, it's, you know, are our ads personalized to the user experience, right? Just like, their experience at a resort is. And I think switching that mindset on and starting to speak their language in terms of what the industry truly cares about, that will make you at least get in the door faster, but also hold the stakeholders attention longer. On the flip side, if you're working in a performance vertical, they don't necessarily care, right? They wanna make sure that it's quick, effective, and you're thinking about um, for example, the supply chain, right? So mm-hmm. coming in with your high level brief and say, here's my TLDR, right? What you need to take away is this, this, and this, and not having a fluffy narrative and a user experience focused pitch, like that will shift based on not only who you're talking to, but also what companies you're speaking through. So, mm-hmm. you know, reading insights is one thing that's definitely kind of the, the baseline, but getting to know the personalities of the different industries, that's kind of more what I mean. Does it make sense? I like that. No, it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like we're, we're like peeling back the onion with this one because it's, it's knowing who you're talking to. Right. And as I think about your job and, and just exp- and having conversations with you about being an account manager at Google, like you've said, you've talked to people who are in the C-suite, but you don't work with the C-suite every day, right? Like you have a, almost like a counterpart that you work with at, at all of mm-hmm. your accounts. Right. And the conversations that you have with just call them person X are night and day different than the conversations you're having with the C-suite when they come into those meetings, right? Right. And by knowing your audience, who you're talking to, what they care about, that's going to take people so much further than just being super knowledgeable, right? Because it's almost like we're, we're building on top of it. It's like, if you grit and grind, that's fantastic. If you're knowledgeable, awesome. Step two. Step three, now it's tailoring that message and figuring out who am I talking to? I learned that the hard way as I was talking about my career and career development, 
going in, it's year one for me in my career. I'm going to meet the VP of my, uh, my business unit. And the first thing she asked me is, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be, I want your job. You want my job? Literally, you want my job? She looked at me, she was like, you want my job? <laughs> and I was like, well, in the future, in the future. And she's like, well, how are you going to get there? I was like, well, you know, I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to get promoted and get promoted and get promoted and get promoted until I finally make it to the VP level. She was like, okay. And as I left that meeting, I realized that there was nothing that she could do for me. Absolutely nothing. And I set up another meeting with her about two months later to do another check-in. And I was like, Michelle, I'm so sorry. She was like, for what? I was like, I was speaking as if like you were trying to like solve the earth for me, right? Like Chase's career is going to be this and we're just going to get him there. I was like, but I didn't know my audience. I was like, what I want to do is I want to learn more about marketing analytics. I want to be a project leader. I want to, and I started talking about things that were more important to her because all she could do is affect what I'm doing right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And by telling her all of those things. And then I was like, but I want to do all these things to set myself up to get that next promotion. And then it was like, okay. And by knowing my audience, by making it a little bit more actionable for her, it then allowed her to then say, we're going to work with Chase. We're going to develop him. And in about 12, 18, 24 months, we'll get ready to promote him <laughs> if he's, you know, if he's, if he's ready. But if I would have just kept the, the messaging for her tailored towards, I'm going to be a CMO. I might've been a damn brand right. specialist for the next 10 years because everybody would be like, Chase wants to be a CMO, but we don't know what the hell he's going to do. Hey, I'm all about a lofty ambition. I love all that. It. It, you know, good, good for you. But I think the thing that I, I learned, cause I'm similar in that way. Um, you know, a, a little overzealous, but well-intended. I really had to learn that in order to get even to the next step, the absolute basic level is to excel 110% at your core role, yeah. right? So, you know, I wanted to take on 100 different projects. Google allows for what's called a 20% project where you can devote 20% of your time to a different team or project or what have you. That's awesome. I wanted to jump right to that and get into project management or whatever. And what I had to learn was, well, how can I differentiate myself in my core role, right? Because everyone wants to do everything else. Mm -hmm. But if I'm excelling now, that's going to bump me up, right? How? And two, to your point, what does X executive care about? What projects are they aligned to, right? What core business problems do they need to solve? And mm -hmm. how can I get my name attached to a solution? And that's been, I think, a game changer too. No, I, I love that you said that, Mel, because it's so true. Right. I, when I was coming back to Nestle, coming back, I was like, man, I could get, get back into the like employee resource group game. I could start leading some groups. I could start helping out with like community service, other things like that. And then when I got started, I was like, I need to take a step back. I need to take a step back because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't. Right. And if I want to, if I want to be good at my job, if I want to be able to work only eight hours a day because I, I know what I'm doing and I'm not necessarily learning right? Like take all this time to learn and then get really good at it. I was like, then I'll be able to take on other things because then I could devote a little bit more of my, maybe 20% of my time, 15% of my time to these other projects. And I came back employee resource groups. Um, although we have like a, a network around millennials, we have like our multicultural partner network. They're all reaching out. They're like, do you want to run communications? Do you want to help lead blah, blah. And I was like, guys, you got to give me at least nine months at mm -hmm. least nine months. Otherwise I'm not going to be good at my job. And I'd rather be good at my job and then come help when I'm ready than spread myself thin and not be good at both. And then everybody's looking at me and I'm feeling like I am an imposter because I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And I yes. think that's so valuable to, to tell people like, focus on the job. The other things will come. Like 
I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but you're not going to get promoted within a year. You're not. Like the chances of that happening are like the chances of making it to the damn NBA, right? Very, well, that means, very, very slim. That means you came in at the wrong level. Well, right? exactly. So yep. like, fine. But I think what we need to start thinking about is do I, have I really put in the work to deserve X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, was there something wrong out the gate? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right? So that's an important distinction too. Well, one of my one of my VPs told me um, in a one on one, he was saying, "Chase, I want you to learn and develop as much as you can in your twenties, as much as you can. Don't try to become a manager in your twenties." And I was like, "But Terry, that's a lot of money for a twenty some year old. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be." And he's like, "No, no, 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 because one day you're going to be a VP." One day you're going to be a director and you're going to have 50, 75, hundreds of people working for you. And they're going to expect for you to know everything, right? everything. And if you don't take the time now to focus and learn the basics and to do it over and over and over again to where it becomes like you're riding a bike, you're going to be that director and VP that everybody looks at and goes, how the fuck did they get there? Why the hell are they there? They don't know anything, right? And like, when I took that feedback and I sat back, I was looking at different leaders that I've met, that I've worked for, that I've, that I know. And I'm like, there are some of them that climbed really, really, really fast, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And it's interesting. And that's not only to say that like people who are in their thirties at the director level or VP level are not knowledgeable, right? Because they are, and there's, there's certainly a reason that they are there, but you come into those leaders sometimes where you find out that, you know, they were either part of the good boys club or mom and dad might've been on the C-suite and helped them get up a little bit or whatever it may be. And then it turns into a, you really don't know what you're talking about. And, and I don't, we don't ever want to be leaders like that. Right. So it's like, for me, it was, it was understanding and learning that my career journey is not a sprint. It is truly a marathon. It's not linear. It's about the things that I'm learning. And going all the way back to what you said at the beginning, it's about your personal and your brand story, right? If I can take two lateral moves and tell the next manager that's coming to hire me that I did this strategically because I wanted to learn a new skill set, they're not going to look at me as an idiot. They're going to say, that's a really smart move. And they're going to go, this person thinks a little bit differently. How can we get them on our team? So I I love that you said that though, Mel, and I'm going to transition us to our last question, which is the same question I always got to ask you, but we're not in an elevator this time. We're driving. So you and I were in the car. We just met. Okay, we didn't just meet because we're in the car. But we're in the <laughs> car. We're driving. We're on like you know a little a little car trip. And I'm like, Mel, man, I'm just struggling. I'm struggling. COVID's got to me. The pandemic's got to me. Work has got to me. I am just down on myself. And I just ask you for like two tips that you have, whether it be career, whether it be personal, whether it be marriage related, even like what would those tips be for me and all the crazy people who are sitting in the back listening. Man, I mean, I don't know if you could have a more open question than that. No, no, I I think there's a couple. The first is early on, or as soon as you can, find out what things, people, activities are going to ground you, right? And Mm -hmm. kind of pull you out of it. I, I can get into a spiral of maybe ambiguity, right? When we don't know what's going on in the industry, return to office or what have you your career, your family, your life. Um, and I know the friends to call that will put me back on my feet. You know what I mean? I also know that the right workout will get me right. So it's like, cool. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna call my friend. I'm gonna take a long shower. I'm gonna feel great. But that's my routine, right? Maybe it's you go on a trip and unplug for a weekend or 
you find yourself in nature or this or that. So find mm-hmm. the things that'll ground you and really allow yourself to take the time you need to, to come back to earth. I, like um, that. I think the, the second piece would just be to listen to yourself, the people around you, the people that you trust and respect. Um, that was a hard lesson for me to learn <laughs> is that most people have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. So when you're seeking advice, right, from someone that you know and trust, it's easy to be offended or put back or stressed about what they're saying. But nine times out of 10, the people that you've surrounded yourself with uh, are there for your best intent and always assume that. So assume positive intent, listen to them and really think about um, what you're being told, right? Because most people are good and they're out to help. So those are my two uh, off the cuff. I like it. Well, it's the last part, it's like, don't, don't take it personal, right? Because if you and I were talking and you were giving me feedback on something, right? Whether it was a podcast, whether it was work, whether it was relationships, whatever. And you're just giving me the cold, hard facts like Chase. You didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. If I were you, I'd, I'd change this, 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 and this, right? We may not talk exactly like that, but it's not necessarily always the tone that you need to hear. It's the message that you need to hear. And that's like yep. something that like playing sports, right? Our coaches are always said like, don't hear the tone, hear what I'm saying, because I might right. yell at you and it might be good freaking job, Chase. <laughs> and if you listen to the tone, you're like, but I just, and it's like, but if you listen to the message, then it's like, great job. Okay. Yeah. You're right, coach. And I think- yep. A lot of us need to understand that like direct feedback, as much as we say that we enjoy it, it's a skill that that kind of takes getting used oh, to yeah. getting used to it and getting used to hearing it. And I remember the first feedback session I had over development, I, I wanted to cry because I thought I was doing great. <laughs> and then they were telling me all the things I didn't do great. Right. And then you learn to not take it personally. You learn to implement that into your work life into your regular life, whatever it may in, implement it, wherever it needs to be, wherever it fits. And then you're able to kind of take that and then build upon it. And then you no longer have to hear that shit anymore. Right. Right. The worst for me was hearing like one piece of feedback I got in my first year of career was my attention to detail was not where it needed to be. Cool. I'm going to pay more attention to my attention to detail. And then my next performance review came up still attention to detail needs a little bit of, of, of work chase. And I was like, okay, but how was it compared to last time? It's getting better. Cool. We're making progress. And then all, all of a sudden it never came back up. And now in my career, if I hear attention to detail, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> what, did I, what did I mess up this time? You know what I mean? Like what's yeah. the one time that I, that I messed it up, but knowing that I don't take it personally has allowed me to kind of take it, implement it, sometimes sit, sit back on it and say, is this real? Is this not real? Like, is this their issue? Is it my issue? And it's really helped. I would say me progress just in life. And I think your, oh, yeah. your tips are amazing. Like finding that time I meditate now. Um, I'm sure that comes as a shock for a lot of people, but like, I love it. I lay in my bed. There's no lights on. There's no, nothing going on besides me and my calm app. And I just sit there and I am just with my thoughts. And it's amazing because it's the only time I get to do that, but it helps me unwind. And then, like you said, I, I take a nice long hot shower and go to the gym and it's like, then you feel fully relaxed and mm-hmm. we get caught up in the hustle and bustle so often and so much that sometimes we don't find those times to actually sit back and relax and recalibrate. And we end up kind of burning ourselves out more often than not. And I think a lot of people have felt that right now too, but we don't even need to talk about that. So, yeah. Well, one thing on burnout and that's again, a whole nother podcast, but one thing I learned throughout this period is if you are feeling burnt out, you're not going to make your best decision. You just won't. Right. And when you're making those decisions out of survival mode, right. They're often what's going to make you feel 
the most safe or comfortable in the next day to six months when we need to really think about resilience, right? And how the next five and 10 years is going to play out, right? And if you just need to take a week off and come back to it, fine. But, you know, don't make these huge decisions based on a couple tough weeks or months. And that was a COVID learning for uh, that I'm sure you know too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great. That's great because we do make irrational decisions when we are in survival mode. And I think the first thing is like recognizing that you're in survival mode, right? Oh yeah. Why do yeah. I feel this way? What's making me feel like I'm, you know, I, for me, I feel like I'm going crazy. And I don't mean to use crazy as like a, a bad term, but that's just how I feel. I feel like I don't know what's going on in my head. I feel mm-hmm. anxious all the time. I feel antsy. And recognizing that you're feeling that way. It's like, okay, for I got to take that step back. I got to go find the things that are going to help me feel relaxed. And then let's make a decision tomorrow or Friday right. or yep. next week, because you know what, this decision doesn't need to be made right now. And if I make that decision right now, and I'm taking that step back to really think about it, I don't know if that's the right decision. Right. And I always I, put in some contingencies, right? Yep. When I get burnt out, I feel a little trapped. And I often am like, oh my gosh, I need to find a new job or figure something out. Mm-hmm. And so now I have to talk to, I have a list of three people that I have to call and say, is this a good idea or not? Usually I don't get past the first one. They're like, no, go for a walk. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I know myself and I don't want to make these irrational decisions. So I think it's it's interesting what we'll see coming out of COVID as people start to, you know, come up with their own ways to cope and, and thrive, but we'll see. No, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But Mel, thank you so freaking much for coming back sure. on the Millennial Way. I'm so freaking happy I got to see you, got to talk to you. Everybody's going to be super excited to hear from you this time and actually get to see your beautiful face up on the screen. <laughs> um, but seriously, thank you so much for joining. And I mean, as always, it's always a great conversation. Love it. Thanks for having me.